1: Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Oh, that's my first time saying the new show title. I almost messed it up, but I didn't. Definitely better when you talk about your mistakes off the top of your podcast. But more importantly, I'm Matt Harmon. And today I'm lucky enough to be joined by the one, the only, the editor-in-chief of Number Fire and FanDuel, the host of the Late Round podcast, but most importantly, the co-host of the Living the Stream podcast, <laughs> J.J. Zacharysen. Welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be talking to you, seeing your beautiful face. It's been it's been a minute. It it has been
1: more than a minute. You know, I'm just happy to finally I don't think I've ever had you other than the Backyard Banter podcast had you on a show that I've ever done. You know, like for more professionally for like a large ranging company here. I, I think it's only appropriate. That I somehow find a way to, you know, ruin your hashtag brand, ruin your life. Some would say by a show, thanks to again, I mentioned the Living Stream podcast. Now your boy Denny is out there in their fantasy mensa bit, has essentially told people that I hate freedom. Have you seen this <laughs> uh, happening on Twitter <laughs> the last? Actually, couple- <laughs> I, I have not seen that. No. I have to send you the link uh, if people I, I, I quote tweeted it, uh, it. It's this bit that he does with Peter Overzet. they did like a, 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 a QAnon spoof or something like that and uh, talked about like big running back Twitter and big wide receiver Twitter and how I'm the, you know, propagating this conspiracy because I uh, reception perception. And, you know, Denny just says I hate freedom, which is great uh, because you guys have already screwed me over by the BYB, the boy, young boy stuff. So this is just perfect, perfect stuff for me.
0: Yes, yes. Well, it started with the BYB which I I I won't say uh, what what that what that actually means? Uh, we'll we'll just go with backyard banter. But yeah, I mean, our our whole our whole path in the fantasy football world is to ruin Matt Harmon's life. Well, you're doing a great
1: job of it. Uh, and today we're gonna do a great job on this show. Let's just get right to what we're talking about here today. Uh, JJ and I have come up with a list of 24 players out of the top 30 guys that are currently in Yahoo ADP, and we're going to talk about the one big question that you have to answer when you're considering drafting these players essentially if you're not thinking about what the you don't have to have like the for sure answer to this question but if you're not thinking about this particular question where you're drafting these players you're doing it wrong and JJ I'm gonna let you go first uh with your top guy on the list here which is Alvin Kamara
0: yeah so I think you can go in a lot of different directions here because Kamara had sort of a weird season last year um but but I went with how, how much did his ankle injury actually matter last year that, that's, that was that was the big question that I thought about with Kamara. I mean, he, he had pretty comparable rushing efficiency stats compared to 2018, but he only scored five times. That was really the big difference between Kamara and 2018, 2019. It was the first time during his career, I like to look at yards versus touchdowns as a very quick way to spot regression. So if a guy has a lot of yards, but he hasn't found the end zone, like Leonard Fournette last year, that's a sign that a player should regress eventually. There's other ways to obviously look at regression. That's just a very quick way of looking at it. Last year was the first time in Alvin Kamara's career that he was below expectation in the touchdown column. He only had eight attempts inside the five yard line. That was 15 in 2018. So a huge, huge difference there. He had 14 rushes inside the 10 when that was 33 in 2018. So things were completely different for Alvin Kamara last season. So, Uh, You know, I, I, if you look at the saints too, as a whole last season, they had 36 carries into the inside the 10, they had 15 inside the five. That was 70 inside the 10 in 2018 and 40 inside the five in 2018. Uh, So basically what I'm looking at is the saints were very different offensively last year. I think a lot of that had to do with the Drew Brees injury, but I also am questioning, did they not use Alvin Kamara as much in, you know, in those high leverage situations close to the goal line did it have to do with his ankle was that was that part of the reason mm-hmm. because we need that juice we need that touchdown juice for Alvin Kamara to really pay off and be that top 5 running back that we think that he should be yeah according to Alvin Kamara himself
1: this was back early in the off season he tweeted that he was at 75% last year on that ankle so that would be I mean that does seem like it was it's a significant thing at least to the player himself I still think that there's a pretty decent chance that Kamara is the top scoring running back in fantasy this year
0: yeah I'm not against that at all I mean I I love you have to love the Saints offense you have to love his situation and you could just watch Kamara last year and see that something wasn't totally right when he came back and, and, yeah. and you know you know the high ankle injury you know we all look at him it so oh, it's a four to six week injury whatever but Uh, There's been a lot of research done that shows that that can linger and it's a it's more of a season long thing that you just have to deal with pain wise. And, you know, for a running back, it's that's a a big injury to have to
1: overcome. Yeah, I I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm very high on Kamara um, and I think that he bounces back pretty hard this year. But this leads me kind of into my first player, which is Christian McCaffrey. And I'll just say this up top first because I mentioned this in an Alvin Kamara article that I wrote last year. Yahoo drafters took Saquon Barkley in 75% of drafts. He went number one overall. That is probably going to be even more stark this year towards Christian McCaffrey, which, you know, the odds that he's just clearly the top running back in fantasy, you could discuss whether that's, you know, what, whether that's like how how good those odds are. But my big question with McCaffrey is, can we expect any decrease in his workload? And I think the bigger question is, even if we do, should I even really care?
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at how big of an edge he was giving fantasy managers last season. There's a lot of room for, you know, it's sort of the way that I view Lamar Jackson in a way, where you know, there's there's such a significant edge that these guys were giving players last year and fantasy managers that even if there's some sort of regression that hits Lamar Jackson more so, uh, but even if there's some sort of regression that hits, how much is that regression going to matter? the 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 Panthers are interesting because last year they they uh, were worse in the league and pass to, to rush touchdown ratio. So essentially, they were scoring touchdowns um, on the ground at a higher rate than any other team. And so that number generally regresses to a mean year over year. Um, and so what we would see then, hypothetically, is in what should be a pretty pass-heavy offense, because the defense is going to be horrendous for Carolina, you know, we, we could see more receiving touchdowns to that offense, which is going to lower CMC's total in general. Um, so I think there's some concern, you know, new offense, what his workload's going to be, but overall, it's really, really hard after what he did last year to say, no, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass on Christian McCaffrey at one on one. Yeah, I don't know that like you could realistically make
1: the argument, even if, like I said, I think that Kamara has good odds to be the top scoring running back. Um, or you know, maybe you think Barkley does. I just think it's pretty tough after what McCaffrey did last year, like you said, to pass him up at number one overall. And it's hard not to get too excited about this Panthers offense uh, because love DJ Moore, love Curtis Samuel still. uh, I think Robbie Anderson, interesting addition. Ian Thomas, potential breakout tight end. Teddy Bridgewater looked like a pretty good point guard last year. Exciting offensive system coming from LSU. But in the year where everybody keeps talking about continuity, the Panthers might have like the worst continuity in the
0: entire league. Yeah, it's definitely frightening, but I, I think that you know, again, you're you're buying also into a into an offensive system that could be really, really fun and really, yeah. really intriguing, especially with Brady running that offense as the offense coordinator. We know that they should be fairly pass heavy, and I think that actually play obviously plays into. CMC who's had that 22 23 percent target share year over year yeah despite the fact of like I said the continuity anti-continuity
1: argument uh I do really like this Panthers offense and yeah. I find myself yeah. drafting these players a lot <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right let's move on to your second guy uh one of my favorites Derrick Henry
0: yeah, he's always, a, you, you always nail Derrick Henry, and I'm always the one who's like, oh, but but his receiving volume, guys, his receiving volume, yeah. Uh, but my my question with Derrick Henry is, how does he perform with Tennessee's likely regression that's coming, right? So the offense last year, look, Derrick was a beast last year, uh, mm-hmm. but in the regular season, the Titans scored a touchdown on 87% of their red zone trips when Ryan Tannehill took over. So that was week seven through week 17. Uh, they also ended up ranking second best in touchdowns per drive, but they were eighth, and total score per drive, which tells you that a lot of their drives were resulting in touchdowns at a pretty unsustainable rate. And look, let's be honest, Derek Henry's fantasy season turned around when Ryan Tannehill became starter. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that Derek Henry was obsolete towards the end of last season and he didn't matter, but Ryan Tannehill helped Derek Henry in some way at 15.1 PPR points per game without Ryan Tannehill that jumped up by eight and a half points with Ryan Tannehill. So you know, I'm looking at this and, and here's here's another fun stat that Rich Rebar, our, our, our mutual friend, Rich Rebar, uh, told me one day and I, my mind was blown. Uh, but Derrick Henry has never had a performance of an RB2 or better performance in weekly scoring without a touchdown.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that makes sense because there's no receiving workload there. That's you know? the problem though. Yeah. That's the
0: that's part of the problem, right? Is yeah. that you're 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 then banking on that and you need those touchdowns. And look, they should come mm-hmm. to Derrick Henry at a higher rate than other players. You know, touchdown variation and touchdown regression is a very real thing, but players are put in certain situations and players are just naturally better and more efficient. And Derrick Henry is going to be able to score at a higher rate than a normal running back. But I worry about all that regression coming for the Titans offense. How many, uh, you know, how often is he going to be in those positions to score, at least compared to last season? That's that's my worry with Derrick Henry. Yeah, here's the stat that I dug up for, uh, on
1: my big write-up for figures who will shape the 2020 season on Derrick Henry. The RB8 over the last four years in PPR leagues has averaged over 251 uh, fantasy points per season. Th- that's already three spots below Henry's Yahoo ADP and just 11 running backs out of the 301 to have cleared 250 PPR fantasy points since the merger have recorded fewer than 20 catches. So, mm-hmm. And, and Her- Henry had 18 last year, so you're either counting on a coaching staff using him in a way that no coaching staff has ever used him before, which is as a receiver, or again, you're banking on those touchdowns coming. So I'll just, I'll ask you, are you? Are, is there ever a situation where you're taking Derrick Henry at, at his cost this year?
0: I mean, there could be. I, I think it's a lot easier. You know, it's a, it's a lot easier to do that in a standard league for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you, where you don't have to worry about that that receiving as much. But no, I mean, he's just kind of in that range where you know I'd rather probably go wide receiver. You know, maybe I'm going Michael Thomas or even Devontae Adams, or I'm I'm looking at you know now. Obviously, you have Ceh climbing climbing draft boards, and you can. Uh, you can jump and go for for the rookie instead. So it's just there's a lot of competition there. and That's the main reason why I'm, I'm just not really drafting him heavily. But look, guys, I'm warning you. I've said that the last couple of years. <laughs> I've, been, I've been wrong consistently with Derek. I love him as a player, of course. You can't yeah. not like Derek Henry as a player. But from a fantasy asset standpoint, I've always been wrong about Derek. So take that with a grain of salt. That is a
1: very fair point. And again, we're we're, we got pretty good synchronicity here so far, because I think that leads into my next player, uh, which is Michael Thomas. And my big question with him, because I actually think there's like almost no questions when it comes to Thomas's individual outlook this year. I mean, obviously, he's probably not going to catch that many passes again. Yeah. You know, whatever. I still think he's a very safe pick. But my big question is, what running backs do you start considering Thomas ahead of? You know, when do you start to think, okay, I'm going to askew taking a running back here in the first round. And I'm going to start to think about Michael Thomas.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I'm, I'm of the belief that you can get, you know, the, you go CMC Barkley, you got Zeke and then there's Dalvin cook. I I think that you're at this point, it's like around that. I I have Clyde Edwards, alaire sort of in that range because of the potential upside. Um, But that's sort of where, you know, once things get a little bit foggy, that's sort of where I'm, I'm starting to lean more, uh, wide receiver and looking at Michael Thomas, but I do have some concerns about the Saints' offense because Drew Brees last year was out of out of his mind when he got back from that injury. In terms of touchdown rate, he yeah. was basically pacing to have the best season of his career. Um, so there should be some regression there. You know, like you said, I, I think that he's one. Of, you know, Michael Thomas is one of the easiest to project players in terms of just what his target share should look like. You know, what his average at the target's a little bit lower, but you know that he's just going to to have that high catch rate and and yada, yada, yada. He'll be able to produce. Um, But I do worry a little bit about what the touchdown upside looks like. But I still think, you know, he's still my wide receiver one. I think you can make an argument for Adams. But Thomas is still my wide receiver one. I think once you start to hit that ambiguous area where the running backs at least have some uh negative marks in terms of what their workload looks like whether that be their receiving share whether that be their rushing share whether that be you know in ceh's case we don't know exactly how heavily is going to be used in that offense that's where i would go with with a wide receiver i would take all the workhorses ahead of
1: them yep totally agree with exactly what you just said so perfect answer to my question um let's move on to your next player here joe mixon
0: Yeah. So speaking of workhorse backs, uh, well, the Bengals actually use Joe Mixon more as a receiver. That's my big question. Um, Stunning.
1: I thought like (laughs) that, that his lack of receiving usage last year was like just weird because coming out of Oklahoma, that was one of his trademarks with this. he was a really good passage remember when he was sharing the backfield at Oklahoma with like Samaj P Ryan yeah. <laughs> remember, remember that guy yeah. uh, so That's I mean and, and, yeah. and it's just he was supposed to be a potentially David Johnson esque type of receiver but that usage wasn't there at all last year
0: yeah I mean it's it's really held him back you know he's basically been a low-end RB1 the last couple of years he's been fine you know last year he started so slow but then he just went off the second half of the year and people you know it's one of those like anchoring bias things where everyone's like, Oh, Joe Mixon oh, yeah. sucked last year, but he actually, he came through with a pretty decent uh, fantasy <laughs> performance down the stretch. Um, yeah. But his target share was only 7.6% last season. The, the one reason, I mean, a- an obvious reason to sort of latch to Joe Mixon and say, maybe this is the year that he really hits that top five ceiling and he can, he can get there is, is with Joe Burrow now stepping in where the Bengals right. offensive line isn't very good uh, we could see Burrow, scram- I mean, he's athletic, he could scramble a little bit, but we could, I-, I can envision some dump offs to Joe Mixon pretty easily there. And then also, you know, we have a small sample size of that LSU offense because Burrow obviously elevated his play last year, but we saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire do really well in that offense as, as a pass catcher. So I, I'm I'm at least optimistic about Joe Mixon exceeding that 7.6% target share but I'm not optimistic that he's going to get into that like 13% range for him to, you know, absolutely be you know, a top two or three running back in fantasy.
1: Yeah, I think that does keep him off that tier one of running backs. I think I'm I'm writing up Joe Mick. I'm excuse me. I'm writing up Joe Burrow this week. I think he's a guy who actually like there's a lot of weight on his shoulder simply from like fantasy expectations. Mm -hmm. Nobody really expects that much from the Bengals this year. But if Burrow is a difference maker that elevates, I think in the entire offense. and there's a lot of intriguing Skill position players in that offense for him to do that with for sure all right let's move on to my next guy it's dalvin cook and my big question with dalvin cook is does he have a higher ceiling than the other guys in his tier because i think to me he's not in the same tier as McCaffrey, barkley elliott camara i think stubbornly i will probably put derrick henry along in that workhorse tier and then i think Cook starts the next tier, but does he have my question is, does he have a significantly higher ceiling than a guy like Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Kenyon Drake, um, some of those other guys? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is now clearly going to be in that tier. Does Cook have a higher ceiling than any of those players?
0: I, I mean, look, what he did last season, he finished number two in the in, in fantasy and points per game. Uh, and, and and look, the other thing with Minnesota, they were good last year and they were able to see a lot of positive game scripts. And so when you when you see those positive scripts, it's obviously good for the running back. But the other thing to keep in mind is that when you're very good and you see a lot of like crazy, crazy high scripts, which which we are great scripts, which is what we saw with Minnesota last season a couple of times that ends up hurt, not not necessarily totally hurting in terms of, like, points per game, but if you're looking at things like running back rush share, uh, yeah. it changes the way that we view that a little bit. You know, I, I bring up Baltimore all the time because last season Baltimore had the second lowest, uh, second lowest max running back rush share in a single game. So th- the single game high for them in running back rush share uh, was second lowest in the league ahead of only San Francisco because they they split up that backfield. But part of it is because they just had all these positive game scripts. They're not just going to run Mark Ingram into the ground randomly mm-hmm. just because they're yeah. up, when, when they're up 21 points in the fourth quarter, of course they're going to use Gus Edwards. So, you know, when it comes to, to Dalvin cook, you might look at his splits and, and what he did in terms of splitting that backfield. And it might not look as favorable as it could if they see more neutral game scripts. So there is some intrigue and upside there too. I mean, the bottom line for cook is just him staying healthy. I think. Yeah. My
1: my real question was going to be, but nobody really cares what my individual question is. You know, it's like a big. It's like what is, what's my blinder for Cook? Because maybe it, and maybe it is that. Like maybe I'm more worried about you know guys like Madison eating into the share here. But that's a really good point too. That I think we just like looking at baseline numbers at the end of the year without any context, you might see that Cook doesn't you know doesn't have that same touch share that he might have had. They been in those neutral scripts. So I think that's a really good point, and actually probably answers my question better uh, than I definitely could have. So that's a, that's a good thing. And that's why you're here on the podcast today. Let's move <laughs> on to your next guy here, Devonte Adams, who I will say coming into this is my wide receiver one this yeah. year. I expect him to be the top scoring player uh, at the position this year.
0: Yeah, I can't fault you. Cause my question is actually, will Devonte Adams lead the league in targets? Because I think it's very, very possible for this to happen. Uh, the Packers did nothing with the pass catching group. Uh, Adams had a 23% target share in 12 games last year with, a similar pass catching group, basically the same pass catching group. Uh, And and that's a prorated target share of 31%, which now you're talking Michael Thomas target share. And you're talking, you know, instead of being Michael Thomas, being the guy who's seeing sort of those lower average at the target targets, uh, you're getting a guy in, in Adams who would be seeing them down the field a little bit more. And that's where the intrigue comes in, which is why, you know, I too can understand uh, him being the wide receiver one in, in rankings. But the Packers, you know, the other thing too is that last season, they were pretty fortunate in the win-loss column. Now, if you look at any anywhere, they have a, a win total of nine. That's likely going to force them to be uh, a little bit more pass-heavy than people think. And then Adams last year was also super unlucky in the touchdown column. He only scored five times even though he had 11 end zone targets. He only had two touchdowns on those end zone targets, which is not very Devonte Adams-like. So I see a huge bounce back year coming for Adams, and I, I do think that there's a chance that he leaves the league in targets. I completely agree with you. I'll probably project him to be the target leader this year. Uh,
1: like you mentioned, the Packers were 6-1 one in one-score games last year. You know, that they're not they're just not that good of a team uh any like you said any any pretty much any model is going to have them as around a nine-win team so i agree with you they're going to be throwing the ball no matter like what matt lafleur wants to do or whatever the hell matt lafleur wants to do (laughs) they're going to end up throwing the ball a lot more than they probably want to adams i think has a really good chance to push for 180 targets and you know he already has a wide receiver three finish on his resume in yahoo scoring so you can forget about any 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 goofball that tells you oh he only has 1000 Yard season, you know not to take that human being uh seriously with that comment <laughs> right, right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So my next guy, another wide receiver, Julio Jones, and maybe this was just—I I feel like people are kind of bored with Julio. I thought about thinking that you know his, his question, his big question, could be, is he washed? Because I think the answer is clearly no. But I just my—I ended up going with. Are are we discounting his target upside? Because the Falcons, I think, are going to push to lead the league in pass attempts this year uh, again. And, uh, you know, they really kind of have a thinner distribution, I think, than people think. Uh, How good is Hayden Hurst? I think that's a question. Calvin Ridley, I think, can, can get, you know, close to 115, 120 targets. But after that, there's just not many other players to throw the ball to in that offense. I think we could see Julio. Push also pushed to lead the league in targets this year
0: yeah i'm with you uh i i, I think that that league was in a spot without that competition where we could see a lot of of love uh, a lot lot of throws going his way you know you you mentioned that the falcons being pass heavy under Dirk Cutter uh, and this dates back to even the you know before Dirk Cutter left Atlanta and then he came back but Dating back to that, they've been top five in pass to rush ratio every single season that Dirk Cutter's been their offensive coordinator. So they're, they're going to be pass heavy. And, and without that competition, it's very easy to see a path for Julio to see a lot of, of volume. And, and, you know, I, I do think that the reason why he's not necessarily being elevated or talked about is just because this is Julio. This is, he just does this all the time, yeah. right? This is, we, it's, it's become expectation. I almost feel that way a little bit about Mike Evans to a degree. But, you know, it's just become expectation that this is what Julio Jones does. It's a very unsexy pick. um, But I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that that was definitely something I've thought about
1: more the last few weeks. All right, your next guy here. Uh, and I'm interested to hear what your what your question is on Nick Chubb.
0: Yeah, my question with Nick Chubb is, will Kareem Hunt continue to, to ruin his upside in this new <laughs> Stefanski offense? You know, uh, I, Nick Chubb is still going to be usable with and he was usable last year with Kareem Hunt, but. Without Kareem Hunt last year, Nick Chubb averaged 18.9 PPR points per game. His per-game target share, which is huge, uh, for Nick Chubb was 11.8%. Now, with Kareem Hunt, his PPR points per game went from 18.9 to 13. And then his target share per game went from 11.8 to 6.8. So that's six points per game that you're dropping with Kareem Hunt. There's a 5% target share drop. What's that all going to look like with this new Spokansky offense, which I think we should be bullish with and and on but I agree what does that all look with Kareem Hunt in that backfield being the you know look I, I think Nick Chubb is an underrated pass catcher because you know it's just how he's been used to start his his career I still think he's capable but i would I would argue strongly that Kareem hunts a better pass catcher and a more polished pass catcher, and, and that that worries me a little bit about Nick Chubb's upside,
1: yeah, I think there's a lot of ambiguity in this backfield because of the coaching change. I think they're gonna be a good run system. I think they're gonna be a good offense, and I think you have to count on that. I think you have to count on them being a good offense for the scripts to be more in Nick Chubb's favor. I don't know that you need them to be. I think. I mean, I, I think it's hard. Like you said, it's hard enough to be bullish on this offense because I think it's such a perfect fit for Baker Mayfield. So, yeah. but I, I, I have found myself being a little too shy to draft Nick Chubb at his cost because of the risk of the receiving workload there.
0: Yeah, I've kind of been
1: in the same spot. All right, that makes sense. Let's go to my next guy here, Miles Sanders, an exciting breakout running back. Should we have any workload concerns?
0: I don't think so. Deuce Staley doesn't think so. Yeah, Deuce Matt. Staley does not think so, baby. <laughs> that, that's what's important. Look, look, I, I'm a I'm a Miles Sanders stan. I was all I, I loved them last year. I loved them coming out. I mean, at this point, you just auto draft Penn State running backs, right? Isn't that isn't that what we're <laughs> doing now? But you know, w- with Miles Sanders, a- everyone points to what Doug Peterson has done uh, during his tenure there. Where you know He's been f- four years now as Eagles head coach. And I-, I actually wrote this up last week. The highest single season running back rush year. So percentage of running back attempts that a running back has seen in Doug Peterson's offense was Miles Sanders last year at 46 percent, which yeah. is a very low number for the record. And th- the leading rusher under Doug Peterson so far in Philadelphia over four years has been Wendell Smallwood in total. (laughs) So we're we're, we're working with not very great running backs. I mean, it's been LeGarrette Blunt, Ryan Matthews, Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles. We're not talking legitimate workhorse backs. And then last year, Miles Sanders steps in. He starts to see more of a workhorse workload. And we saw him go absolutely bonkers in fantasy down the stretch. So I'm all in on Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders is this year's Dalvin Cook. Love it. I mean, you mentioned it, all
1: those goofball running backs that have gone through Philly in the <laughs> Doug Peterson era. Yeah. No wonder the guys favored committees. Um, and I think that Boston Scott can actually be an okay late round pick, even with miles Sanders having that kind of season. Cause I think this offense is still going to be very small ball run through the backfield, you know, run through slot receivers. This is all off the cuff here, but how do you feel about Jalen Rager this year?
0: Oh, I mean, I love Jalen Rager as a prospect. So it's, yeah. You know, it's, it's tough to, to be super, super confident, the wide receiver position with rookies this year because of the the yes. ramp up to the season and stuff. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think ADP is really reflecting that totally. Um, and so I'm, I'm of the belief that a guy like Jalen Rager is, is a very good target. And, I mean, my prospect model loved him. He was my wide receiver three out of this class. I, I'm all about record. Nice.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the things that you know for sure in Philly are that uh, Zach Ertz is probably too cheap again this year. And I think that Miles Sanders is going to be that explosive breakout running back. So, yeah, I mean, that's I, I'm totally with you. And I'm glad that we agree on that question. All right, your next guy here and one of the best players at his position over the last three years, but has a lot of questions, uh, I think, in his portfolio. So I'm interested to see what you think is the biggest one. What, do, what are you thinking with DeAndre Hopkins here?
0: Yeah, I mean, my question is, is Hopkins going to see a, a dip in target share in the Cardinals offense? I think it's just that straightforward and that simple. You know, you we, we've seen instances of wide receivers switching teams and not really uh, elevating their play and seeing better efficiency. You know, I don't totally buy into that, narrative because generally speaking players who are switch there's a sample bias because generally generally speaking players switching teams aren't good players right uh and and, and with like obj last year you know we only have so many obj examples but OBJ last year was injured all year. So we don't, yep. we don't know exactly, you know, why his efficiency was as, as poor as it was. Um, we also and, have but, the Antonio Brown switch teams last year. That's another alpha receiver <laughs> yeah, in the middle good, the point. <laughs> yeah. good point. Touché, touché. So as long as DeAndre Hopkins doesn't leave his team in, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in, in early yeah. August here. No, but, you know, he, he's seen since his rookie year, he's seen a 26% target share every single season in Houston's offense. And I know, Matt, you're a big proponent of, of targets being a skill statistic. And it's a very true thing. I mean, you have to get open in order to see that volume. It's not like DeAndre Hopkins is just walking into it because there's been a lack of competition. He's one of the best wide receivers, if not the best wide receiver in football. But he is on a new team. You know, this this Cliff Kingsbury offense spreads it out a lot. You'll see a lot of four, or even five wide receiver sets. So it's a little bit, there's a little bit of worry as to, you know, how frequently Kyler, Kyler Murray is going to target DeAndre Hopkins. You know, I think that he's properly priced but he's just another one of those guys where I haven't really gravitated towards him, even though I could see an outcome of him you know, paying off at his price. It's just, yeah, he's just not a guy that I'm actively targeting. Yeah, I think that there's a chance
1: a pretty good chance that he sees 140 targets or something like that this year, which is yeah. that's fine. But it's not DeAndre Hopkins level volume like we've seen in some years. And then you're counting on him being uber efficient, which is I do, I do think is possible because he's He's an alpha receiver, the middle of his prime, one of the best at the the position. You know, he's not Vincent Jackson switching teams or something like that, (laughs) as you mentioned. So I think that you made a lot of really good points there. Um, And I think that I I actually kind of hoping that there is some sort of dip in his in his ADP, because then I'd be really interested in drafting him. Um, All right. My next guy here, George Kittle. And my question here is, what if the beneficiary? of the Debo injury isn't one of these middling wide receivers. Like what, what, what we're sitting here talking about Jalen Hurd or Brandon. Ayuk. what if the big beneficiary is actually just George Kittle and he has that monster tight end season that, that, you know, we dream of in fantasy. I think it's
0: possible. I, I think that, that Kittle has very easily i mean obviously tight end one overall you know he has that kind of season in him you know we haven't seen him really have that like monster touchdown season we haven't seen him really convert at that crazy crazy high rate and then but if you look at at arizona here's the other thing about arizona is their first five weeks are out of control good in terms of matchups they get like arizona the jets the giants uh they get the eagles which could be maybe a little bit tough and then they get miami i mean it's a, a a crazy start to the season so that's all happening without Debo or parts of it is going to happen without Debo. Um, And you know, that might elevate George Kittle a little bit in terms of target share. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of getting guys that could just get off to a really hot start because not only do you get confidence in those players as you're plugging them in your lineup, not that you would never plug George Kittle in your lineup, but you're increasing value in those players and you're having more value on your fantasy roster. So I'm buying into the San Francisco offense. They should, they should throw more this year because it's very hard to maintain that type of low, pass to rush ratio year over year because it's not easy to be a good team like they were year over year. Um, And so there's just a lot working in George Kittle's favor. So, I'm all about it. I, I would not be shocked at all if he outscores Travis Kelsey this
1: year. On the other side of the spectrum of some of the guys we've talked about recently, I have found myself gravitating to Kittle very often, um, especially, if it, especially if I'm weighing wide receiver versus Kittle around that range. I've definitely gravitated more to Kittle because I think the depth of the position with wide receiver is so good this year, which is not uh, an uncommon take. Uh, let's go to your next guy. And look, I mean, at late round QB, tell me what your big question is with Lamar Jackson.
0: Yeah. My question for Lamar this year is how hard will regression hit? Because (laughs) it's coming. Uh, he had a 9% touchdown rate last year. So that's touchdowns divided by pass attempts. That's the second highest in NFL history. The players who saw who have seen an 8% touchdown rate or higher over the course of NFL history. So, far lower than where Lamar Jackson was last year, to be fair. I know it's only one percentage point, but that's still pretty significant. Of those players that had an 8% touchdown rate or higher, they usually saw an average dip the following year of 3%. So think of Lamar Jackson with a 6% touchdown rate instead of a 9% touchdown rate, which is still high. 6% is fine, but that would mean 12, at the same number of pass attempts, that would mean 12 fewer passing touchdowns for Lamar Jackson. Now, some of those touchdowns would be converted into to rushing touchdowns potentially, which is, are more uh, valuable, obviously. But Baltimore is unlikely to have 58 offensive touchdowns again this year that's another number that we see regress year over year you know of the teams that see over 50 touchdowns year year over year they, they generally see fewer touchdowns the following season so there's a lot working against Lamar Jackson you know he's certainly not I mean shocker he's not someone that I'm really attracting <laughs> at, at ADP he's still my QB1 but I, I will be honest you know my projections have Patrick Mahomes only like four points away from Lamar Jackson. So if there is a gap in your draft or you know that there's going to be a perceived gap between Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes, and you just have to get an early round quarterback, even though I do not advocate you get an early round quarterback, (laughs) uh, Patrick Mahomes would be the guy that I would favor just given cost. I agree with you
1: about Mahomes, and I mean it's just tough with Lamar because the combination of I also think like Hollywood Brown being healthy this year is a big deal in terms of uh, boosting that yeah. passing offense. Lamar Jackson just might be straight up the best fantasy player we've ever seen because of the yeah. what he does as a runner. So, but I, I agree with you. I've, I think I've drafted him maybe once at cost this year. So I mean yeah. we know the deal with uh with that and the late round quarterback stuff. So my next guy here, Clyde Edwards-Helaire very uh popular name right now and my question's pretty simple any reason to pump the brakes any reason
0: i think the the main reason is the season that we're having right now yeah. right uh we we just don't know exactly what that usage is going to look like i think i think it makes total sense that he's a he he should be a first round pick like i'm 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 in there because we know that his upside is literally you know a a Christian McCaffrey type season realistically it's that type of upside we've yeah. seen damian williams do it Um, So, why can't a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's a better prospect and will likely be a better running back, why can't he do something like that? So, I I can see that happening. So, the stealing is there, but man, I'm not as bullish as some are about his floor. You know, I think that, that he'll be involved in some way, but I would not be shocked if we just see like a committee the first couple of weeks and then you know, eventually CEH emerges as this like true workhorse. You know, DeAndre Washington may be getting some run who DeAndre Washington really fits the offense well. Let's be honest. He's a good pass catcher. Do it all back. Last year, whenever he stepped in for Josh Jacobs, he was really effective. Um, and then you have you have the uh, the shower narrative, as Adam Levitan would say, <laughs> uh, with, with, with Patrick Mahomes and DeAndre Washington in their college days. So, you know, I, I, I like CEH. I think that, you know, he's going to be on a lot of my teams. So don't take this the wrong way. But there is some hesitation with with the season that we're having, with the type of workload that he'll see right away. Yeah,
1: I think if this was any other year than 2020, it'd probably be that that would there would be almost no reason to, to not get like super excited right. i mean i mean there's every reason to be super excited because even if he gets like 55 percent of the backfield touches 55 sure. percent of the chiefs backfield touches is worth a lot more than 55 percent <laughs> of any old offenses backfield touches so i'm i'm with you that i think there's obviously there's reason to pause there i definitely wouldn't i, I don't care if they sign some you know goofball off the street like devonta freeman or anybody i don't think they're going to sign freeman anyways but i don't think they bring in anybody like that it'll really change my projections but at this point it is i think he's 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 fairly priced your next guy here aaron jones i'm curious about what you got here for aaron jones
0: yeah i mean i love aaron jones uh i i, I love them coming out so he's he's kind of been like a, a one of those players that just I, I keep close to my heart you know everyone has those guys oh, yeah. um i've got my, like 15 my, yeah you i mean you yeah you you have those guys <laughs> for sure uh you know my my big question for him is will aj dylan matter Uh, Will will that second round pick matter? And you know we're we're entering a season where you know my projections basically have Aaron Jones at ADP. So I you know some people will say oh Aaron Jones touchdown regressions coming and yeah it is. If you look at he had 19 total touchdowns last year based on a lot of different metrics. Whether you're looking at Mike Clay's OTD metric, I have a weighted touchdown metric that I use. He should have had about eight fewer touchdowns than he scored last year. So if he's at 11 touchdowns instead of the 19 he had last year. He's more like the RB10 last season instead of the RB2 or three, right? Now entering this year, you know, like I said, I have him basically at ADP in terms of projection. I can understand why people are, are gravitating towards him, but I'm worried that AJ Dillon, who is a freak of nature body, body build wise, and who's, who's essentially the, uh, the size speed of, of a Derek Henry. I'm worried about AJ Dillon stealing some goal line work potentially, or stealing some touches and, and what that all looks like. So, you know, like I said, the projection might have Aaron Jones there, but there's a lot of, of variance with that projection. There's a lot of different directions that this could go in. And that's why, I've generally shied away from drafting Aaron Jones.
1: All right. My next guy here is Kenny Galladay. Another one of your guys, we're going back to back on, uh, on your guys here uh, yeah. is touchdown and yards per target regression enough to avoid Galladay altogether at his ADP.
0: Yeah. My, my big thing with Galladay that's, that's great about him is that his target share, it still has room to grow. And then all the while, you know, he should be able to maintain his his touchdown numbers to a degree, maybe not to, to what we saw last year, because he sees so many t- uh, targets in the end zone. So I, I love that that Galladay is being priced where he is, and his projection is where it is with a low target share and like a low, you know, comparatively speaking, and, and a low target volume number, because realistically that could rise whether it's due to injury or whether it's just due to to him being really good. So. That's why I'm 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 still in on Kenny Gollum. Yeah, I also think he's just become such a good player. Like uh,
1: he's he's jumped 10 yeah. percent in reception, perception, success rate versus man coverage metric from his rookie year to uh, his past season. He's a legit number one receiver to me. So I think and I think he's good enough to to justify his cost, even with everything that you mentioned there. OK, your next guy, Kenyon Drake. This is a guy I, I'm I am. I do gravitate towards Kenyon Drake in drafts.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, the, the question for me is, does Kenyon Drake maintain his workload from last year? And if he does, he's going to dominate. Because last year, down the stretch, he had 85% of Arizona's running back rushes. Uh, and then he averaged a target share per game of almost 14%. Those are basically, I mean, those are elite numbers at the running back position. His average points per game was basically right below Dalvin Cook's last year. Um, so he he was a top five running back when he was when, when he got to Arizona last season. So if he maintains that, you know, if you're picking in the second round, I think he's basically an auto pick, especially now that Miles Sanders ADP has risen like it has. Yeah, full speed
1: ahead to me uh, with Kenyon Drake there. All right, my next guy, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, My biggest question here, is there any hope that we once again see in my opinion, legendary talent, elite wide receiver Odell Beckham. I put a thread of reception perception stats out with him um, and just the difference between all of his previous charted seasons to this past season. I think the conclusion there, the only conclusion is – he was clearly not healthy last year, but that's not the answer to the questions, because what if he's what if he never gets back to that? Because it's just been so like a compounding of all of these lower body injuries. Where are you at with Beckham this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's priced properly and I'm drafting him where he's where he's priced, mostly because you can pinpoint that one thing and say, this is why Odell Beckham didn't perform last year. And and when, when you can when you can pinpoint something tangible like that, it's a lot easier to buy into that player as opposed to, Oh, he switched teams and that's why he was bad or something like that. Or it's like, no, he was hurt. And, you know, physically we could see that he, he looked a little bit different.
1: I, I definitely think that was the, the first thing I thought, like the first game I put on with him right away during the season, I'm like, Oh, this is not the same guy. I'm keeping the candle lit that he gets back to his previous form. And I think then he'd be in a very good situation in Cleveland's offense. But I could easily be wrong about that. It's an impossible question to know the answer for sure. All right, let's go with your next guy here, which is Josh Jacobs. And I bet I know what question you're going to ask here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the same thing with Joe Mixon, right? Is is Are they going to use him more as a receiver this year? You know, a, a sub 6% target share is not going to cut it. We don't see very often uh, top five running backs. And, and that's really what we're striving for, that that area of the draft. We don't see top five running backs with that low of a target share really ever. It's happened like five times out of the last 90 top five running back seasons. You know, they, they re-signed Jalen Rashard. They draft Lynn Bowden, who's very versatile and very fun. So I, and you know, we're seeing all these quotes about John Gruden, like, being upset that Josh Jacobs didn't run away with the rookie of the year award and stuff. And, <laughs> we'll and look, throw a all few coaches, more passes, John Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, of all coaches though, like John Gruden's the one guy where you're like, okay, John Gruden's gonna, like force feed Josh yeah, Jacobs yeah. here just to like, th- you know, get this narrative out there. Um, but that's, that's the big concern for me. You know, I, I think that he's fine to draft where he's being, where his ADP is. He's just kind of a whatever player for me, where I'm not really actively targeting him, but I'm not avoiding him either.
1: Yeah, I, I got to say that I was I was upset with myself how much that quote moved me. <laughs> 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 All right. My next question here uh, is on my guy, Alan Robinson. Uh, how much of an upgrade is Nick Foles? I don't know if it's a
0: huge upgrade, um, but yeah. it, I don't think it matters with Alan Robinson. Yeah. Right. I mean, we saw him with top 10 numbers last year, 10 ish numbers last year. And so I, I'm not overly concerned about if Trubisky is the guy. And I think the way that you should view this is we know Allen Robinson has a great floor with bad quarterback play. But now what, what if Nick Foles is better? OK, then you can see a path to an even better ceiling, right? That's that's sort of the way that I'm approaching it, as opposed to thinking, is Nick Foles better? Is he not better? Because I don't think it really matters with the player like Allen Robinson.
1: Right. I love that. Actually, that's a great way of looking at it. You've got the floor, but there's a potential ceiling with that unknown there, too. All right. Your next guy is one another one of the players that I really love. Austin Eckler.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love him as a player. I, I am a little concerned. because What will the loss of Philip Rivers do to Austin Eckler's receiving role? You know, yeah. he had a 19 percent target share last year. He had an absurdly high nine point one yards per target rate. There's going to be regression there, especially with his eight receiving touchdowns. There's some regression that's, that's coming. Phillip Rivers' offenses have ranked in the top six in six of the last nine years in running back target share. Whether that's all Phillip Rivers or whether that's personnel driven, I think it's a little bit of both. What's that all going to do to Austin Eckler's receiving role in that offense? And then, you know, as sort of an addition to that, is Joshua Kelly going to take on some of that early down work that Melvin Gordon left behind? Because Josh, Joshua Kelly fits more of that bruiser goal line player, you know that that the, the the high leverage touches that we would want Eckler to see to really elevate and be that top five guy. I know he was a top five guy last year or around that, but again, that was a very unsustainable way of getting there. So we need a little bit more from Eckler this year in terms of like scoring rushing touchdowns and getting those those goal line looks. Um, and that's really my concern with him.
1: Yeah, I think that is the big question. All right, my next guy here, Todd Gurley. My question is, what if he's not cooked? Because if he's not washed, he's in an awesome situation. Uh, a, a Offense is going to be good, attached to a good quarterback, attached to a good passing game, could easily see a passing game role. But his receiving numbers last year fell off a cliff. We know, uh, obviously, all the stuff with the knee. Any interest in Todd Gurley at cost this year?
0: I think he's fine. I think he's part of that tier towards the top of that tier with like him and like James Connor and Chris Carson. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's he's fine. And I don't I don't really attribute last season strictly to the injury. I mean, there's there's a reason that the Rams offense in general wasn't as effective. And it was the offensive line. It wasn't Todd Gurley's injury. The offensive line took a big hit. And that was what was driving the Rams' offense the two years prior. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that that Gurley could be in store for a decent season this year. My, yeah, your last guy here, JJ, Mike Evans. Yeah. So will Tom Brady's lack of deep ball frequency hurt Mike Evans? That's my question for him. Uh, Arians' offenses have always ranked in the top ten and fifteen plus air yard rates. So they're throwing it, you know, down the middle of the field and, and deep very frequently. Brady hasn't thrown it that frequently deep over the last five years, but been in the top half of the league every single year in completion percentage on those types of throws. So I do think that this has been a little bit overblown with Mike Evans because Mike Evans is a good football player and he's yeah. consistently producing. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how good Mike Evans' start to his career has been and people just sleep on it because we're just expecting that now. Um, So I'm in on Mike Evans at cost. I I think Godwin's great at his cost too, but I'm not that concerned about Brady's lack of deep ball because he has been accurate on those throws uh, with, with really bad weapons too in New England. I love that you said that because Mike Evans is not just, you know, some big jump ball receiver.
1: He's a, Better than average separator. And even though he hit with that jump ball, I think he can help like some of Brady's waning accuracy be erased by some of that contested catch ability. All right. My last guy here, Adam Thielen, has his summer ADP jump already removed all of the appeal in drafting him this year. I, like, I think some of the like, appeal to him was that he was going to be affordable, but he started to climb up draft boards. And I still think there's a, a decent bit of risk here.
0: Yeah, I think it's a little bit risky for sure, especially because we don't know exactly the kind of role he's going to play with after they took a, a, a pure slot receiver in the draft and Justin Jefferson. So does that mean Adam Thielen's not going to be in the slot very often because Justin Jefferson's there? What's that offense going to look like? They don't really have any good compliments to to Adam Thielen on the opposite side of the field. So I think there are question marks, but I, I still like him at cost because there is crazy crazy target upside because there's really not many alternatives in that offense in general even though they should be fairly run heavy so i still like him at cost but i can understand the concerns yeah i feel pretty much the exact same way all right jj we
1: did 24 players 24 questions thanks so much for joining me you can find jj on twitter at late round qb and you know plug away the late round podcast anything else you want to get out here jj
0: yeah. So definitely, you know, go pick out the late round podcast. I do a couple of them a week. And then once the season starts, I'll be doing four of them a week. Um, really bite-sized shows. They're like Ted talks every, every yeah. episode. They're very, you know, 15, 20 minutes long. And so it's just going sort to of my baby now is the late round podcast. And it's a good show. And you will learn something from that show. Just like, I hope you learned
1: something from this program here today. Uh, and in the meantime, while you're checking out the Lay Around podcast, while you're waiting for the next episode of this podcast, which you no longer have to wait that long for, you can check out Scott Pianowski on the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast. You can check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and Sully's baby, uh, this producer Sully today, the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel and our friend Pat Forty from SI. That's all from us. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And tomorrow we have Dalton Del Don on the show. But for now, we are out. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her.